Hey, bestie. What's up, girl? Hey, does anyone ever ask you, like, oh, I heard you do a podcast. What's that witty and gritty podcast all about? Yeah, okay, so I usually spit out this robotic sentence that's, we help hardworking Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have more joyful and fulfilling lives. So that's usually what I say, but I'm also monotone. Y'all know this. And so it's just like, so Farron, what does that mean? Yes. Well, my response is not as fancy, even (laughs) though I've heard you say that lots of times I should know by now, but essentially I explain that we help people grow in their Christian lives and through their growth, then they can better fulfill God's calling on their life. Right. So we're book study experts and we know how to analyze, pull apart and take that through the Christian lens, and that's kind of what we do here. And so then sometimes people are like, yeah, your self-help books, and they might be mainstream, but we are always sure to bring it back to God and the biblical view. Right, so whether you see a secular book or something that a Christian author's written, just know that when you come here, you're going to get it through a biblical lens. And not just ours. I like that we incorporate interviews by people living out the principles. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's your little bonus if you stick around through the series, which yeah. I hope you will. Yay! Here we go! This is episode 163 of How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age. This is our 13th episode on this book. I can tell because you're getting very fast at rattling <laughs> off the title. It gets Repetition. faster every It's deliberate episode. practice, like in our Grit mini-series. If you've been wanting to say those words faster, if you listen to our Grit mini-series, we'll talk about deliberate practice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yes, don't let the title of the book get to you. It's not like we're trying to be influencer popular. We're just stating the fact that you do have influence over people that God has put under your stewardship. So making sure that you're pointing them back to God and weaving it all in throughout your day. Yeah, no evil manipulation here. No. How can you capitalize on yes. those moments with your kids, your coworkers? your brothers and sisters in Christ to have a positive influence. And who doesn't want to do that? Agreed, because there are no neutral exchanges. Unless, of course, they don't see you, like you mentioned (laughs) last week. (laughs) Unless they didn't see you walking by. And then neutral. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you should just be radiating Christ so much, like Moses glowing, that they're like, oh, whoa, I can't pass them up without looking at them. I'm thinking of times where I have, like, Sorry, but not wanting to run into people, and I try to, like, (laughs) blend in and get by without being seen. I need a neutral interaction here. (laughs) Hide in the closet. Hide in the rack. (laughs) Oh, that is funny. Uh, You did that as a kid, right? Your mom shopping? Yeah, and then sometimes they did have the pull through the middle, so you would just try to, like, go through one real fast and ding! Yeah, and then your parents are like, I told you. I know, but it's a really good hiding spot. (laughs) And now, I, one of my children has recently done that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't find Rhett. <laughs> Rhett, I'm here. Like, we're, we're in the middle of a million of these. <laughs> here I am. Oh my gosh. If you weren't wearing a cowboy hat, I don't know where you'd be. Good thing you're wearing that. Well, anyway. This so chapter, chapter seven. <laughs> yes, chapter seven is all about engaging with empathy. And then we'll get to chapter eight. Which is appeal to noble motives. Yes. So two words here. Engage, which means you actually got to put in some effort. And then empathy, which means you're going to have to actually put in some emotional effort as well. So all you sociopaths, tune in. This one's for you. (laughs) Feelings. Yeah, some people don't like to feel those feelings. 
Especially if they feel like they're not justified yeah. for whatever reason. I think of my youngest, and she'll come up again. I just saw something else I put in the chapter. If she does not feel like you heard her, she's going to repeat herself <laughs> over and over and over she's again. She's destined to be a mother. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But even if you can hear her and you're nodding and she's looking at you, if you are not giving her enough engagement, mm-hmm. empathizing enough with her rant, she's just going to repeat herself and it's obnoxious. <laughs> so in previous, I guess it was either last episode or two episodes ago, we talked about Armando Galarraga. We didn't say his name out loud, but here it is. He's the guy who almost had the perfect game. And he was robbed of the perfect game by the umpire, which was super devastating for everybody involved, obviously, including the umpire, because, oh my gosh, you just took away this amazing once-in-a-lifetime chance from this person. How bad do you feel? So Galarraga, his approach was um, to love this guy anyway. And rereading through, he weaves the story throughout the book, but reading through the story, it just points back to how much... He realizes everybody makes mistakes. It just it was my my time. So, what a good representation! And to me, that is set apart. So in my head, I'm like I need to call Armando, see if he's a Christian, because that was such a set apart response that makes no sense to anybody. Every right to be mad publicly, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yet you still choose to love that guy anyway. That's crazy. Uh, it's that empathy, right, that considering someone else's feelings and ideas. While he's disappointed in not achieving that, he's probably cringing on the inside that not only did he not get his name in that record book, but that yeah. this umpire, this is going to follow his name forever. forever. Yeah. Forever. And so cringing for him um, on the flip side where some people would be like, well, he deserves it. Can you imagine if you got everything you deserved in the negative sense? Well, let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) Shout out to Lee Cobble. Everybody deserves a one-way ticket to hell. So anything not that, thank you, God. So what you deserve is not anything fun or enjoyable. So when people are like, oh, he deserved to have this, this, this. I'm like, actually, not really. So I try to be real careful with that word. Or when my kids say that or, oh... You've deserved it or you've earned it. I'm like, you worked hard for it and the blessings came. Yep. And even the whole like, treat yourself, you deserve it. And God does. He brings rest and blessings. Yes. And so looking at the the source, I guess. Yes. And being thankful for the the source, the provider of that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we talked about... um, apologizing and we've talked about entering tough conversations before and it's brought up here again that if you want to get far in a conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody if you keep having the same fights that's something that we've heard and talked about before but if you keep having the same arguments it could be that that person isn't feeling heard yes you're apologizing for doing the same thing over and over but that person can't feel or receive that apology because you continue to do the same thing without changing your behavior. Uh, So it doesn't seem as if their feelings are being heard or considered. So we got to be sure when we're having a tough conversation that we're addressing their thoughts and feelings. That doesn't mean you agree or have to agree with the way they feel, but just validating that you heard them. Right. And you can also hold two emotions at once, like back to the Galarraga example, 
he was equal parts disappointed but also empathetic to the umpire. So it makes me think of the story in the Bible, the wayward son, how you are just so frustrated that they're out there running around doing the wrong thing, but when they finally come back, he accepts them with open arms, and the other son's like, what's up, Dad? I did all this stuff, and and basically the dad is just happy that his kid is home. So I think it's okay to, it is okay to hold both of those emotions at the same time. Just what are we going to act on, and how are we going to do that? So, yeah, you might be angry, but remember that Bible verse, be angry and do not sin. <laughs> Self-talk. One of my kiddos often throws things just up in the air over and over to catch them, and chooses to do it in the living room. Now, our living room is not one of those where, like, you can't even sit on the couch. But, I mean, I have some decor stuff out there, right? That's mm-hmm. breakable. And I don't know how many times I've told this kid not to throw stuff, and it's always, I forgot. Well, one day I went on a walk, came back, said kid is crying in Jacob's lap because said kid threw something and broke one of my signs. Mm-hmm. And I, my initial thought was... So angry. I've told you so many times, yada, yada, yada. So I had to do that. I had to be angry and also exhibit uh, grace. <laughs> Coincidence. I think not. <laughs> not giving anything away there. She already knows who I'm talking about. Uh, the child that is. When she, How old are you, child? Text me and Seven. say, Mom, I'm listening to this episode as a 16-year-old. I don't know. But yeah, I had I I had to address it. Now, hindsight, she doesn't throw anything in the living room. Anymore. All right. Sometimes it just takes a whoopsie. It does and that's it, again. I'm gonna, so hard. I'm going to let y'all know that's what scares me about her moving forward in life cuz there's going to be bigger things that she might have to go through to learn that way, but I'm trying to capitalize not rub her nose in it. But, you know, capitalize on these instances. And I think if I would have responded in a different way, she wouldn't have reflected on that moment. Mm -hmm. She'd want to bury it and forget all about it. But instead, she can look back on it and hopefully, hopefully, praise the Lord, keep praying, dear Jesus, she'll learn something from it that she won't take those kinds of risks in the future. Right Right now, it's broken signs. But just being vulnerable, I just wonder what that looks like later. Stay tuned. I'll let yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Come back in 10 years. Ten, yeah. ten years from oh now. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so you know how <laughs> reading situations, you're like, oh, well, if I was in that situation, I would have done this, 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 this. And then it immediately made me think of armchair coaches. Because have you ever been on the field coaching and you got someone, some parent in the stands like, do this, do that. Good Lord. If I could just sit here and explain to you all the reasons that's a bad option, I would, but I don't have time for that. Mm-mm. So, but that goes back to say, are you the armchair coach? In which pocket of life are you? Because I feel like to some degree, all of us have one section where we're like, if I were there, I would have done this, 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 this. Well, you're not. So how can you help that person <laughs> in a positive way? Yeah. I'm the armchair coach when I watch Jacob work on something. <laughs> <laughs> that's that pocket of life. Uh, he's pretty good at just ignoring whatever, (laughs) whatever I say. And that works. I'll just hand him the tools sometimes. Sometimes I don't know what they're called. That's complicated. Mm -hmm. I like further down in the chapter, it talks about merely listening to somebody. So if empathy is hard for you, 
you might just work on listening skills. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, if you're not listening accurately and you're always thinking about what you're going to say next or coming to conclusions to what the person's trying to say, it's going to be hard to empathize because you might not be empathizing on what they need you to empathize with. So you might start just by listening. And this was the cutest thing. I'm going to bottle it up as long as my brain will remember it. But there's this neighborhood cat that's been hanging out in our backyard. Our neighbor's fence, part of it's down, so the dog keeps getting out. Well, the girls come running in that the dog was chasing the cat. And, you know, Gabby, the youngest, she loves to talk and gab. And so they were all trying to tell me, and they gave up and just let Gabby say what happened. And she's like, and I'm afraid that she's going to die, the cat. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And she goes, yeah. Oh, I feel better. And I was like, what? And she goes, I feel better that I told you that. <laughs> and I was like, well, it doesn't right. change the situation. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you feel better for telling me. You know, I hadn't done anything. I was still in the house, but, <laughs> oh, I just feel better that Sometimes I told you that. Sometimes people just need to talk. Power of counseling. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, I should probably let you guys know that the cat is, in fact, not dead. <laughs> I can now tell you that the cat got away safely. It's all good. Uh, With empathy, this is a quote from the book. If a person is important to you in some way, every second you spend trying to better understand his perspective is a second well spent. So even if you have no, like this cat. (laughs) Do you care about cats? No. (laughs) But because you just sat there and listened, Gabby felt so much better because you were intently listening. Does the story really matter? Is the cat alive? Yeah. Yeah. But she knows that she can come to you and listen to you. And as mentioned before, she only needed to say it once because they came in hooting and hollering. So I met them in the living room and (laughs) wide-eyed. They had all of my attention. So had I continued cleaning the dishes or whatever it was that I was doing and been like, yeah, she'll be fine, she probably wouldn't have felt better. Right. Um, So just going back to the empathy piece. Well, and even just taking the five minutes of inconvenience for you, like, yeah, you can, you have to stop whatever you're doing for five minutes to listen can be way more exponentially impactful for the other person who's being heard. So that's a thing to think about too. Yeah, there's this quote. It says, by taking time to research other people's circumstances, you will avoid making assumptions about them. So my oldest, sometimes I really got to be good with my questions to draw out what she's trying to say. So she came home, not in a great mood, asked her what happened, and she said she had a test today. And part of me is like, yep, that's part of going to school and doing tests. Tests Uh are hard. No one has fun. That could have been my assumption. Instead, I said, oh, well, what subject was it in? She told me it was reading. She doesn't enjoy taking, she reads for fun kid buys books with her birthday money okay but she does not enjoy taking reading tests and so I was like oh so a little more empathy it was in a subject I knew she didn't like and then I was like was it really hard and she was like no so then I was like (laughs) okay please explain (laughs) (laughs) but I'm having to really I always have to ask her a lot of questions to get it out well what had happened is there's these short answers on the test and she had a type which typing doesn't come naturally for her. It's still in the slow process. I'm telling you, if they would bring back AOL Instant Messenger, everybody <laughs> would get typing. Yes, they would be so much faster at typing. Um, but what had happened was 
She was reading over what she had typed, and before she could hit submit, it kicked her out. And when she logged back in, it erased everything she had typed up. So she had to oh, do it. Oh, no. Oh, oh, my gosh. Over again. Farron. Meanwhile, there's one more piece. After you finished your test, you had time to get caught up on work. And so not only did she have to redo no. it, but that ate into her time. So then she had a lot of homework that night. So if I would have stopped at, well, it's a test and you have to take tests. So you need to, you know, pull yourself mm. up by your bootstraps and get used to it. That's so frustrating. There wouldn't have been any empathy. She wouldn't have felt any better telling me about mm. it. And the next time that she wasn't, you know, up to snuff and I say, what's wrong? She'd say Nothing. nothing. That's how we get to nothing, folks. Yep. Oh, man, Farron. So a couple years ago during star testing, it was the first time they were using the new platform where kids were going to type and it was going to, like, everybody was online. Mm -hmm. Because it used to be everybody was on paper and if you had certain accommodations, you could specify that you were online. So I guess a couple years ago they flipped it so everybody's automatically online unless otherwise indicated by your accommodations. So all these kids, our school starts early, early 7.15 was when the bell rings and class starts. Uh, or the kids can come in the building and 7.30 is when class starts. So all these kids are sitting in this testing room, 7.30 in the morning central time. And kids, a lot of them, the tactic is get the essay out of the way first. So typing, typing, we're like an hour into the test. And about an hour, that's, you know, when all the other schools are getting to school and starting their test, the entire system shuts down and it doesn't save anybody's exam. So these kids that have written their essay had to go and re-remember. It was just, it was bad. Bad on all accounts. I remember that. I was at a middle school campus and we couldn't get it to load and we tried. They kept saying, give us another amount of time, give us another amount of time. So the kids had to sit quiet in a test taking strategy or Uh setup. Um, for that whole day. And then the solution was, well, we'll reschedule it. And they had to do it the next day. And here's the <laughs> other thing. Some kids read the prompt and got a whole <laughs> extra day to think about it. And some kids didn't get to question 19. So it was a hot mess. Whoa! All that to say. Ask questions. We have all been there to where something just totally out of your control happens. And you just need someone to empathize with you. <laughs> yeah. Even oh. if you know, you got to get over it and do it again. And yeah. suck it up, buttercup. Yep. But that still sucks. <laughs> and that's fine to address those feelings. But what's your, what's your option? Not going to take the test? Get a zero? Yeah. You got to do it, right? So toughen up. Here we go. Mm. <laughs> Here's the next one I was going to read. Remember, empathy is not networking ta- is not a networking tactic to be learned and leveraged. It's a link to immediate affluence in human relations. So, again, it all ties back to relationships with people. And then... Obviously, Jesus, who was the best relational expert ever, or is the best relational expert ever. And that's all he wants is a relationship. Uh, One last thing that I'd like to bring up, too, is uh, workplace environment. Mm -hmm. That could be your household if you're a stay-at-home mama. It could be a church community. Um, It could be the team momentum, if you will, the team camaraderie. But it says, imagine... The personal barriers you could bridge in your workplace, your home, your friendships. If you could always respond to mistakes and disputes 
in a gracious manner. Mm-hmm. And so if you find yourself in a toxic work environment, if you find your family always bickering, especially the kids always bickering all the time, if the team, you know, there's not that, uh, what's the word? Cohesiveness mm-hmm. or bonding happening. You might look at how, what is the initial response to a mistake or a dispute? Yeah. And also, how do you respond to yourself? Because sometimes that's how you respond to your other, to others. So we talk about self-talk and negative self-talk. And a lot of times we're nicer to other people than ourselves. But it slips. I'm, I'm sure there's some people that how they talk to themselves is how they talk to others. Yeah. And so just uh, food for thought there. Yes. Okay. Ready for... I am so ready for chapter 8 of part 3. Yes. So chapter 8 of part 3, remember this is all about how to merit and maintain trust. This section is about appealing to noble motives. So back to the core motivations of why we do what we do. Which is all the Enneagram. (laughs) And if you don't know, you find yourself, why am I doing the things that I do? We encourage you to go back to the Enneagram series. We're commanded to know thyself. And that goes a hundred million different ways, which I feel like... That is our innocence part of the podcast, right? Right. But definitely go check out our Enneagram series if that resonated with you. We'll link them in the show notes. We sure will. (laughs) (laughs) We always have great links in the show notes. I feel like people maybe don't take advantage of that. So if you listen to this without checking out the show notes, y'all go back and check it out. We Mm -hmm. put a lot of helpful things in there. While relational improvement and business productivity are centerpieces of our lives, the importance exists because we long to be people who make a difference. So I think everyone, deep down, wants to make a difference, a positive impact. Maybe not everyone. There are some people who are innately evil. But (laughs) Christians, you want to leave a positive impact on others that points to, obviously, Jesus. But uh, I think we need to recognize that we're designed that way. So play into that. Yeah, I think of people that... I mean, just let's get to a raw example. The people that I follow on the social medias are people that I feel like have noble motives. They've either accomplished a lot in life or they are accomplishing a lot. Um, And that's who I follow. They're the stories I want to hear. They're the advice I'm I'm taking from because their noble motives uh, are not only proven, but they're witnessed and they're seen. And if you want to influence others, could somebody right now say, here are, you know, Brooke's noble motives. Mm -hmm. And I could name noble motives in the area of your walk with Christ, with family, as a friend, um, even what you've done in the educational world. You have noble motives. You're kind. Well, it's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) But... Could somebody say that about you? And if you're not sure, that's not an opportunity to beat yourself up. But the next question is, what would you want someone to say your noble motives are? Right. And then if we're playing to someone's noble motives, if there is a conflict, you can say, look, Farron, I know that you you love God. You want to represent him well. I'm having an issue here. Is there any way you can help me with it? Well, I've just told Farron like, I know her heart, and I know her goals and her desires, and if there's something she can help me with, I know that she will try to help me, because I'm appealing to her noble motives, and I'm pointing those things out to her. Yeah, I have to sometimes point out those noble motives to younger people. Yeah. Um, 
Receiving corrective feedback. Who likes that? Not me. (laughs) Some people do. The successful people on the podcast say they love it. They look for it. Companies pay hundreds of dollars for people to take surveys and And tell them what you're doing wrong. (laughs) So there must be something to that, right? Uh, But in coaching, for example, uh, you might be in a position that's similar to coaching, a leader, a manager, um, whatever that looks like for you. But the girls... The second, no matter how sweet I say it, how nice I approach it, pull them to the side, don't even say it in front of their peers. The second I provide any type of feedback, a lot of them drop their head and their shoulders. And I have to bring back my noble motives and say, hey, you are a phenomenal soccer player. Mm -hmm. I also see that you could be even better. Can you imagine being even better than you are right now? My job is to tell you the next thing to work on. Right. If I didn't care about you getting better, I wouldn't say anything. Right. And then I feel like they start saying, oh, what's this thing you're going to tell me? (laughs) And like, oh, I noticed you're not saying things to other people. But then I'm like, you see how we're having this conversation on the side? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so starting almost with your noble motives. We've talked a lot about beginning, being the first to apologize. Mm -hmm. Um being the first to identify we have the same goal in mind, being empathetic. But you may need to go ahead and start with those noble motives because I know at that age, early middle school, preteen, teen, they're just saying that because they hate me or they like her more. And those aren't the motives at all. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like you are being misinterpreted, you can be a little more forthcoming in a natural way about here are my motives with what I'm about to say. Right. And even on the flip side, like you were saying, parents, sometimes it's hard as kids to recognize your own uh, motives or strengths, and that's why you have adults who speak that into you. Like, I know you're a great soccer player because you work hard, you listen well, and you do your best. As long as you keep doing that, you're going to improve, and here's one more little section, and then fill in the blank. But like you were saying, Farron, you approach... your approach matters and how you do it matters and appealing to their noble motives, their strengths. That's going to speak life into them while also giving them the next reminder or thing to try. And even if you don't get it right, I want you to just keep trying that kind of thing. And our church did a series recently on relationships and they have this whole piece on, um, what do you fill that pause with? So for example, um, Plans to eat dinner. Husband says he's going to be home at a certain time. They're late. You have an option to pause in that moment and decide how you're going to fill it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't respect me. Here I am trying to cook and he loves his job more than me. Or, you know, he lies to me. He tells me he's going to be home and then he's not. He can't keep his promises. Toxic thoughts spiraling. Lots of ways to fill that pause. But if you, as the recipient influenced by certain people can fill that pause by going back to that person's noble motives he is working really hard to provide for his family Mm -hmm. i know he would much rather be home with me and the family than wherever he's at right now traffic being hungry yeah (laughs) (laughs) so maybe that's not only expressing noble noble motives but if you have a leader that maybe doesn't do that because i don't think that's a very common quality I think it's a great quality that some people have you will need to stop yourself from spiraling Mm -hmm. by beginning with 
what do I know their noble motives are? If yep. Brooke says something hurtful, I'm not my. I'm gonna start with her noble motives. She's encouraging. She wants what's best for me. Uh, we love each other, besties. <laughs> I'm not gonna say why does she hate me. She doesn't want anything. She no longer loves me. Yeah, like that's. It sounds irrational when you're not in that moment. Right state of mind. But man, our thoughts can get toxic fast satan looks for those mm-hmm. opportunities yeah if you are having trouble with those kind of thoughts because it's so easy to get caught in that or even just one like target area like if mm-hmm. your husband is constantly like from coming home and you're here with these kids and the hours from 4 to 6 p.m are the worst <laughs> <laughs> appeal to the noble model mo- nobler motives and also our get get out of your head mini series the Guya mini series it's episodes 84 through 91 and we teach you how to stop doing that and start filling your mind with productive thoughts Absolutely. That, I feel like, will be, is a good reread. It is. It is. I'm currently reading her new book. It was good, too. She references her Get Out of Your Head book. So, we always encourage you guys, you know, to get your own copies of the book because there's a lot of business examples, um, athlete examples, Mm. uh, social media examples that we've discussed here. But the big takeaway from this chapter is from the, here's the quote from the book, To truly connect with people, you must celebrate their inherent dignity. And something about the word inherent, I feel like it also requires a good understanding. Um, Taking a situation and holding it up to what you really know about that person. Mm -hmm. What are their inherent qualities? What are the truths Mm -hmm. that you know? And that's something we talk a lot about whenever there's lies. How do you combat Satan's lies? You hold it up to the truths of the gospel and of God. So, there you go. Great note to end on. Tune in next week, and this will be the last episode for part three on how to merit and maintain trust. I'm excited. We're really good at segues. (laughs) (laughs) And sound effects, right. Yes, so that's the end of our episode, but if you find yourself wanting more and who could blame you Brooke <laughs> tell them where they can find us we, Monday through Friday we have a lovely website it's wittyandgritty.blog you can go there it has every mini series ever we've done what about the socials Baron? yes we are on Instagram and Facebook primarily but we yeah. do also have um, a Pinterest account so be sure to follow us on your favorite social platform yeah oh also fun fact we release episodes every Wednesday so you can count on us be sure to subscribe that way you don't have to go and find it every week yeah, it'll just automatically do the magic computery thingy. Thank you, technology. Go Thank you. technologies and uh, Instagrams. Yes. All right, we'll catch you next week, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Witty and Gritty 5-Minute Mini Journal. It's centered around Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, known as the Armor of God. Once you download this freebie, over the next seven days, take a few minutes each day and dive into what the armor of God is and why it's important to Christians in their daily walk. You can find this at wittyandgritty.blog. We'll link it in the show notes.